Hey, this is Lane Johnson representing Compass and Aspen, and you are listening to the Real Talk Podcast. Hello, this is Steve, and we're with Wider Brothers of Compass in the DC metro area, and you're listening to the Real Talk Podcast. This is Naomi Klein representing the Compass office in Beverly Hills, and you're listening to the Real Talk Podcast. What up, everybody? This is Chef Jack Harris of the uh, Talk Team Podcast. This is Jade with the Jessica Northrup team from Denver, Colorado, and you are listening to the Real Talk Podcast. Hey guys, before we dive into this emergency podcast, I do want to say very quickly that I do have a lot of first-hand experience in dealing with rentals. A lot of people outside of New York City may not understand this, but there are about 6 million rental units in New York City. It's a big part of any broker's business if they're in residential. I have, over the course of my last 10 to 12 years in my business, I've transacted over 1,400 deals, mostly on the landlord side, but I started off on the tenant side. And I think today's new law change affects someone like myself 10, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, trying to get into the business. It makes it extremely hard. There's a lot more to this, which we're going to dive into in this episode, but I do want to say that as a broker that came from no money, no family connections, no mommy or daddy that's a developer, no rich socialite friends that wanted to buy million dollar homes, none of that. Those brokers that want to start from the ground up and create a network and start from the tenant side rental business, it's really going to take away from uh, their careers. There's really no loyalty in the tenant side business to begin with. But now that you can't really co-broke, you will not be able to service your clients, quote-unquote the tenants, in your full capacity because co-broking will no longer be a reality in this marketplace unless the tenant has agreed up front to pay the commission. I want to say the system was really never broken. If you don't want to pay the fee, you don't have to. There are plenty of options. If you want to pay the fee because there's a specific apartment on a specific block that there is very low inventory of, and you wanted to live in that apartment, yes, you may have to have to pay the fee. In the past, 15% fees were really not a thing. I would say that disappeared in the last three or four years. 15% fees were paid by individuals being relocated, executives being relocated from abroad, and they have a big relocation package. And the 15% was always co-broke between the landlord side and the relocation specialist. So, the fact that New York Times is blasting it out there that you have to pay the agent $4,600 for a $3,000 apartment is completely false. Uh, speaking of PR, I also want to say another thing. If you're in the industry, you get it. If you're not in the industry, reading the comments in the Times, Curbed, Wall Street Journal, New York Post, whatever it may be, is like reading Yelp reviews of some of the top restaurants in New York City. I'm spending two seconds to talk about this. It's a fact of life that complainers are complainers no matter how good the service is or no matter how good the food is. Same goes with real estate. No matter how good your job is, how good the economy is, how bad the housing market is, people that write comments in any real estate article almost always say the rent is too high, the prices are too expensive, the laws are unfair, and that the system is working against them. Victims will always be victims. And that's all I have to say about that. And on a final note, Many of you in college may have learned something about cost-benefit analysis. Let's just say we have an executive transferring from Spain, earning half a million dollars a year. That's $10,416 a week, or to break it down, $2,083 a day. If this person were to look for an apartment that they have never been in, 
in a neighborhood that they have no idea what it's about. And they spend 14 days of grunt work. Based on their income, their time spent looking for an apartment is $29,000. A simple cost-benefit analysis shows that if a proper broker was hired to get the job done in less than two days, this relocation candidate would have saved almost $20,000 had the broker commission for that apartment been around $10,000. This is just one example of an opportunity that may have been lost because of the laws today. And without further ado, let's get on to today's emergency podcast episode on The Real Talk Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to an emergency episode. This is an emergency pod on The Real Talk Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Danielle. What's up, everyone? And we wanted to do this emergency podcast. It's actually one of the first of hopefully not too many series of emergency pod recordings, but we wanted to take a couple minutes out of our day here to discuss a new law that was recently passed by the state of New York. This is not on the federal level, but it is. Uh, it does affect New York State and obviously New York City where we uh, operate our business. So uh, in short, the new set of guidance basically issued by the Department of State reverse the tenant pays broker fee system. That's been a norm in the rental transaction in New York City for many, many years. So to give you a quick background, the average rent in New York City is about $3,400 or $3,500 a month. Broker fees are typically 15% of the annual rent. For a Manhattan apartment with a median rental price, again, of about $3,500, that means 15% of the annual rent comes out to be about $6,200, $6,300 up front. So traditionally, the tenants will be responsible for paying first month's rent, one month security, the broker fee, application fees, uh, maybe some move-in fees, maybe some application, maybe some uh, move-out fees up front, depending on the building. Uh, that'll easily amount to almost fifteen thousand dollars. So that's that's a lot of money. It's a big chunk of change. It mean what it means for the industry is that the new cost is now on the burden for landlords to cover our costs and cover the broker fees, which would defray the cost, the upfront cost that the tenants would have traditionally paid. So wanted to discuss a few things and implication of how this affects uh, you if you're a renter in New York City, how this affects us as a operator of the brokerage business, uh, how it affects our clients, the landlords, and what are the future implications? How would it look like? I'm also going to go through a couple comments that I've read on the New York Times article. And obviously, People that comment on New York Times, you know, they may be of a certain degree of people, but I do want to re- respond on this podcast to a few of those comments, and uh, obviously Danielle will chime in with her some of her thoughts as well. So for starters, immediate reaction from the brokerage community, the landlord community, and people that are in the business is the rents are going to go up as a result of their increased costs, meaning let's just say they have to pay us a month. So that's 8.3% of the annual rent, which is one month, and that they will eventually build that into the overall monthly rent. So the rents may go up, who knows, you know, a couple points, or maybe a point, if that. Uh, if, it's, if they wanna bump it up 8.3% and amortize that over the course of 12 months, then it's gonna be, what, like 0.75 or 0.78% or something like that. Um, which is not really a big bump on the larger scheme of things, but it still will be an increase. I, I do want to say this. My position is I, I'm neutral. Uh, I'm for it. I'm against it. I don't. It doesn't really affect us. I don't really care personally. But what I will say is if 
the landlords say, well, we're just going to build the actual broker fee into the rents. Sure, all rents might go up immediately. That's on the market today. But ultimately, what I do think is the free market will really decide if that actually is a feasible uh, feasible strategy in getting their units leased. Now, the thought process is this. Real estate finances, every single month, the apartment sits vacant. It's 8.3% on their end. So that's money that they will never recoup. If the rent's $3,000 a month and they have a month vacancy because of the rental increase, well, will they get back $3,000 a month? Will they, get, will they ever get back that $3,000? No, they'll actually lose that money. They should have actually dropped the rent $100, say, get it rented for $2,900 a month. And that $1,200 difference would have been recouped had they just adjusted the rent down immediately rather than looking at it in, in the long term. Now, there are various ownerships in New York City. That There are landlords that are legacy owners. They own it as a family. It's in their portfolio for the rest of their lives. Those owners will likely just care about the vacancy rates and they'll drop the rent $100 a month or $200 a month, whatever the rent may be, to get the apartment rented because time is what? The last luxury. Time is their last luxury. In real estate <laughs> finance, time is your last luxury. You will never recoup time that you lost. For the landlords, yes, they might be grumbling and be upset about having to pay us the fee, which is, tr tr again, traditionally a month anyway. It may not also be in their best interest to lose another month because they want, uh, let's just say, 1% 1, 1 more on the rent. So the, eventually the free market economy is going to adjust and the legis what the legislators, le legislators are saying about the apartments increasing over time, but will come down, I think they're, I think they're right. Um, the second point I, I wanna talk about is if how that affects, the, how the increase will affect not just the consumers, but our business. Because their landlord's carrying costs are now increasing, some landlords may decide not to work with brokers. And to me, that's fine. Some landlords are at a capacity where they do not need us. They don't need to hire us. Give me, let me give you an example. Uh, you, you all may have heard of Related Company. Related is owned by Stephen Ross, one of the biggest multifamily luxury real estate owners and owners and developers in the United States. They have multifamily condos for sale and rental in every major market in America. They have their own broker's license. They have their own on-site leasing staff. They do not need me or any other broker in real estate, in New York City real estate, to get their apartments leased. It just traditionally has never happened. So even before yesterday's rental law change, this is not something new. This is not something that's going to change related operation whatsoever. Who will it affect? From our standpoint, from a real estate broker standpoint, the immediate individual affected by this, I believe, is the young, hungry agent that just joined the business, that doesn't have a developer mom or dad, that doesn't have a socialite network, that doesn't have 25 friends that are looking to rent in New York City today. Those brokers are going to be severely affected. Actually, that's someone like me 10, 11, 12 years ago when I first got into the business. Why is it going to affect those brokers? It's two parts. One, they're only going to, they don't have the listings to generate their own income. They don't have their own listings to generate their own income. So what do they have to do? To pay next month's bill, they're probably going to need to take out renters who want to rent something tomorrow, next week, or by the end of the month. And those renters now have at their disposal websites that have listings that are virtually all 
no-fee apartments. And if they don't want to do the footwork, if the renters don't want to do the footwork themselves, they'll have to hire a broker and pay the fee, but then they'll realize that everything online is no fee. So <laughs> they effectively are doing themselves a disservice by not doing the footwork themselves. Because the tenant's agents is compensated traditionally by the tenant, and this law makes everything on the internet no fee, or basically no fee. There's no incentive for the tenant to hire that tenant's agent to get a deal done. How does the tenant's agent survive moving forward? That is to be seen, but it's going to be extremely difficult now to jump into the industry without any connections or without any sort of pipeline already established as a rookie agent. And that's extremely hard to do. Danielle, what do you, what do you, what do you think? You want to add another point yeah, in here? Yeah, this definitely looks like this is the demise of the tenant's agent. Um, but from our perspective, a lot of what our team does is on the landlord side. So we represent a lot of one-off co-op and condo owners. And recently, because of the changes in the rental market, just over the past couple of years since it's been going down, our owners have actually been paying us uh, a one-month fee. So from our perspective, hopefully this won't change things too badly. Um, the owners will be covering the one-month fee because co-op and condo owners, they, they need our services as brokers. We're the ones there showing it every day. We complete the whole co-op or condo board package and make sure everything's compliant there. So it's a lot of legwork that we do on our end that these owners definitely just don't even want to do, need to do. They probably do. don't even live in the same state half the time. So Right. Or they're not they don't have the capacity to to, to do exactly. that. Exactly. They have their full time job. Um, so we'll definitely still be needed there and uh, shouldn't be too much of a bad issue for our team, but um, definitely will be a positive thing to be able to list everything as no fee. The tenants will definitely be more ready, willing, and able to come I mean, your, apply. Your friends are probably happy. My friends right are now. excited. Everyone's really yeah. Wow, look at this! It's a liberation of yeah, our. Yeah, a lot of them our, are saying, "Great, now I can move anytime. I don't have to worry about you know the paying all these costs again after." I don't a year have fifteen thousand dollars in the bank to move into a one bedroom apartment by myself. Exactly. Right. Okay. Uh, you, you raised a really good point. So just to summarize what Danielle said. We're mostly on the landlord side, and our, our business—if it's a rental—if it's a rental property, the landlords are already comp- compensating us anyway. Let's go back to the beginning. The tenants, New York City is very unique because the tenants pay brokers or on-site people to move into an apartment, unlike any other city in the United States. And the reason why that is the case is because some people may not know this, but there is a lack of inventory in New York City. There has traditionally been a shortage of properties in New York City. So this is a simple case of supply and demand. If there is way more demand than supply, why should the landlord, as a business, look at it from a business, why should a landlord have to pay anything to get their apartments rented? Let the economy decide who gets to pay what. The operational costs are decided by the market. It's decided by the economy. Let me give you an example. In the last 24 months, the market that I represent a lot of landlords in is in Midtown Manhattan, Midtown New York City. And there is an abnormally high, in the last two years, there has been a higher rate of vacancy in those neighborhoods traditionally because of the zoning laws. There's a lot of flexibility in building high-rise buildings in, in Midtown Manhattan. So what happens? You have 15 high-rise buildings that go up in Midtown West that are all brand new floor-to-ceiling windows and they're rental buildings so they're really easy to rent. 
And then you have half a dozen to a dozen new rental buildings that go up from come up from any from nowhere, garages and old corner lots yeah. and old bodega buildings. Like all of Murray Hill. All of Murray this Hill. Like, yeah, <laughs> there is so much inventory in Murray Hill, there. Midtown, and Midtown, uh, in Midtown West, Times Square area. That if the landlord chooses to hire me and tells me and instructs me, Ta, I want the tenant to pay the rent. It's just not going to rent. I'm not even going to take the listing because it doesn't make any business sense for me to take it. And I'm doing the landlord a disservice by not having him compensate us or give any sort of quote unquote concession to rent these apartments. On the flip side, let's go to the West Village, west of 7th Avenue, south of 14th Street, north of Downing. That's core West Village. Not NYU, Greenwich Village, West Village, but that is one of the most desirable parts of the West Village. That is a landmark neighborhood. How many mm-hmm. one bedrooms, full floor townhouses are out there right now? Probably two, probably, probably one, many. Probably, probably one. How many people, when they look to rent in New York City, search the West Village first? Probably about 80% of the market first. Everybody wants to move into the West Village. Why is it's that? You got Seinfeld, you got Sex in the City. It's, it's the it, New York dream. It's the New York dream. Yeah, it's the New York dream. So why would the landlord, if they have a, a floor through townhouse, four floors, four apartments, front to back apartments, we call them floor throughs. They're probably about a 1,500 square feet. They're getting $6,500 a month in rent there. There is 15 people lining up to rent that apartment. Why would they not hire a broker for free, get them screened, get the leases drafted and, and saves the owner a lot of time and get get a deal done that way. It doesn't make any sense from a pure economic standpoint. So now I wanna go through a couple comments that I read on the New York Times article that was just published this morning. The comments are relatively new because the legislation was passed in the wee hour, early hours of February 5th, Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. So nobody really fully understands and grasps the concept of this yet. So the first comment I see is from St. Paul. I fail to understand the need for brokers in this time where the information about available apartments can be shared easily on so many platforms. In my opinion, this service does not add enough value to warrant the cost that tenants pay. I 100% agree. Some tenants in New York City have a really bad experience because of why. They feel like the broker is what? They're not very helpful. They didn't really do anything for them. All they did was show up to the apartment, view it, and want to apply. And, and open the door and open the yeah, key. They yeah, they found the listing themselves. Right. And they like, went, what did the broker really do besides open the door, open the door and exactly. show them? So it, re- it does give the brokers a really bad, the viewpoint of our business doesn't look really well. The impression's very bad. Mm-hmm. Now, to this person who made this comment, I completely agree with you. If you look at it from how the industry works, this person saw something on StreetEasy or Craigslist, and they had the broker opened the door for them, and they got paid. The broker got paid. Now, that broker probably only has done that deal once or twice in that month. Still not a bad payday, but what I tell you is that broker has probably showed that apartment 25 times. There's really not a lot of one and dones. Mm -hmm. Also, that broker that showed that apartment, that apartment was probably an open listing, like 9,300. Open listing meaning that they had to especially in a portfolio like 9300, you have to go downtown, grab the keys, make a copy of the keys, or go. you have to get the keys and you have to return them by a certain time. You have to leave a $20 deposit and you gotta go run up and down these stairs 55 times to show these apartments. So while yes, that one person that rented that one apartment may have paid a fee of 4,000 bucks or 3,000 bucks or whatever it may be, but on the back end, that broker 
likely invested significant amount of hours and sweat equity into renting that one apartment. I'm, I'm not protecting the broker. I'm not protect, protecting the tenant. I'm very neutral on this. Again, it, it's the matter of supply and demand. If this person was complaining about the fact that they had to pay three, four thousand dollars to this broker for that one apartment to see it one time, you didn't have to choose to rent that apartment. Yeah. Don't go, don't pay the broker. Don't rent that apartment. But you probably have to because there's nothing else in the market. It just, it's business. It's just the way this, the supply and demand works. The economy works. So uh, while I feel bad for Chris having that negative experience with that broker for not really doing anything or providing a service, understand that that service was provided to the landlord by getting that apartment rented for that landlord when that broker invested significant a significant amount of hours and risk showing that apartment. It may have gotten rented by some other broker, by somebody else, while they went downtown to get keys and to go up the stairs to get photos, to take take pictures and show it. I wouldn't want to say dirty, but not the uh, friendliest part or the sexiest part of our business. Mm -hmm. uh, next comment that I want to go over is, I have a roof over my head now, but I will never forget the anxieties associated with finding that roof when I had no money and tried to find a place with a peace of mind. And realtors had no mercy. If New Yorkers do, if New York is doing its job and protecting people who need a place to live, this is great news. Again, a very pro-tenant point of view, which I totally understand. None of us want to pay high fees just to find housing. But again, if you want to live in New York City, it's a very high-in-demand market. It's a very competitive market. Everybody wants to live in New York City. There are somewhere of upwards of five to six million renters in New York City. And during the day, I believe the population in New York City can increase up to nine to 10 million people. So just imagine the number of people that are funneling in and out of Manhattan every day and the amount of people that want to live in New York City. I mean, the, the, just the demand is just extremely high. So again, Kate, uh, this person, Kate, who wrote this comment, if she was an owner and a landlord, she would be doing the exact same thing. She doesn't want to pay a realtor fee to get the place rented. If the demand is high enough, then she needs to limit her expenses. It's very tough buying a property in New York City. The and barrier of entry is high. It's expensive as hell. Mm -hmm. There's competition. There's sometimes bidding wars on desirable properties. A lot of people just can't afford to buy property in New York City. But once you buy, you have earned, you've taken the risk, you've earned the right to minimize some of your operating expenses. It's just simple supply and demand. The economics make sense for an owner because the price was so high, the demand was really good. Why would they have to, why would they, why, why can they not limit some of their operating expenses? All right, so we've got another comment here. From ABC123. Brokers are needed to sift through enormous piles of applications where the vast majority of people are on terrible financial footing already enormous credit card debt and minimal assets or limited income. We are not all heartless and greedy people. However, like any other business, we are not a charity. We are in a business to make a profit. If someone's financial situation is already appearing so precarious that we question their ability to pay rent for a full 12 month lease term, we must decline their application. We'd love to have rented out to everyone in need of an apartment but when New York City courts allow tenants to stay for months and months without payment and then move out, we're left holding the bag. Brokers provide landlords with the service of sifting through enormous amounts of applications, and even then, we would still get some that we have felt don't look good on paper. 
I think that's extremely accurate. I mean, that's what we do for a living. We're extremely well-versed at looking at applicants and seeing who is going to be the best fit for the landlord. And at the end of the day, we want to be working in the landlord's best interest too. So uh, we want to be sure that we're providing the right tenant for them. And yeah, I mean, that's what we do for a living. We're not working at a discount. And many young brokers around the city, this is how they make their income. So it is a little harsh to hear some of these other comments, people um, who are discounting the profession. Play uh, the advocate on the broker. And I, again, we play the advocate on the tenant already, but to play the advocate on our business, I want to be, I want to be clear. This is what it's like to rent a $2,500 one bedroom that is a listing of ours. We pay about $10 a day to market the apartment. It takes us 15 showings, eh, 10, I would say 10 to 15 showings to rent that apartment. That's the over the, that's over the course of maybe two weeks on the market, mm -hmm. sometimes three. Yeah. That means if it's two weeks on the market, three weeks on the market, that's two or three of our Sundays to hold open houses to show that apartment. After we get a valid application in two to three weeks, we are running credit, pulling all of their documentations, ensuring that they earn the minimum income requirements for that property. Then we are compiling all that data to present to our landlord. After that, we wait for the landlord to give approval. Once the approval is given, What's next? We uh, draft the leases up and all the documents that they need to sign. How we, many pages of paperwork is that? Depending on the co-op or condo, it could be 50 or less. It, first service residential <laughs> first service re re residential requires us to perform all of this online. Yeah, and there's always a lot of knowledge that you need just by years of experience too that is not written on paper. So being experienced in the business always helps too, yeah. to know what to do with the co-op and condo application, especially when the managing agent doesn't tell you. Right. So there's a lot of stuff on the back end that so, happens. So from start to finish, from listing to leasing and having the tenant move in on a $2,500 rental means that we are spending at least 45 days from start to finish to get this deal done. And from that 20, let's just say the rental is $2,500 a month. If the split for the broker say was 70%, the house takes 30, that's a generous, that's a very generous split. You're taking home 1750 gross before taxes. If the taxes are, let's just say 35%, you're netting about $1,100. $1,100 over the course of 45 days. And then you're paying out your team, you're paying out, let's just say your monthly insurance in New York City, $700. You're netting maybe $200 on that on that transaction. To you as a listener, as a pro-tenant advocate, does it make sense for us to earn $200 over the course of 45 days, three Sundays? I don't think it makes a lot of sense. So just to summarize, and we're gonna end here, we're gonna end shortly. We have our podcast correspondent, Justin Rubenstein in, our, in the room as well. Thank you for joining us, Justin. I'm gonna have you sit over here so you can get in front of the mic in a second. But I just wanna say that before I leave, this episode, this emergency podcast episode, I want to say that in summary, long-term economics will decide if this is a, if the rents will increase and stay increased. And the politics of New York City has never been so anti-real estate in the last 24 months as it has ever been over the course of the last 10 years. So time will tell how this will really affect our business. But I do want to point out that uh, all the points that we've raised here, we are not advocating just for the brokers. We're advocating, we're a neutral party, we're advocating for both. I, I think that in the long run, uh, time will tell if this law will actually really stick and be implemented and be actually a realistic uh, part of our uh, of our market. So we got Justin on the mic. Uh, just 
give me two, just two minutes, one, one or two minutes. What are your thoughts on this new uh, rental law, rental law legislation? Well, on, on a macro level, I mean, the more tax dollars are contributed to New York City um, from real estate than any other source. So it's a shame to see the realty community fighting with the politicians like this. Um, I am a believer in free market economies, and you should just let the market uh, dictate how to um, how to assess fees and how to. Um, how to, to, how to manage an economy like a rental economy. Right. I think that what you're going to have happen here is owners are just going to increase their rents by $100, $200, $300, whatever yeah. it is, and then they'll pay the owner and then they'll pay the brokers. Most of the deals that I've been doing in the last 24 months are no fee anyway. Just because yeah, the landlords bit, are paying you right, anyway. The yeah. landlords are paying anyway. But ultimately, if you don't want to pay a fee, you don't have to rent the apartment. I don't think this is going to solve the problems that the city or the state is looking to solve. I think it just creates a little bit of confusion and I think it's ultimately kind of a waste of the politicians time because market economies generally dictate how these things work and that's right. usually in my opinion the fairest and most efficient way uh, of operating. I totally agree. You know if the tenant finds an apartment on Street Easy for $4,000 a month they go see it and they love it but the fee is also $4,000 a month they don't have to pay it. Of course not. They don't there's, have, there's other apartments there's out so there. There's so many no-fee apartments out there. Already. There's so many no-fee apartments right. out there. Right. But uh, let's just say you're an investor. You are, uh, you work your butt off for 20 years, and you can finally afford your first investment property. Sure. And let's just say you want to buy in New York City. Right. You know, the or, mecca. Or you, or you bought a year ago. Oh, uh, Or you bought a year ago. Now, you took the risk to buy that home. Of course. Any, any real estate purchase is a risk. I don't care what people say. You pay the tax. Because you pay the taxes, you pay the maintenance, you pay the insurance, you have repairs, whatever it is, it's a risk. But you took that risk. If people are lining up to view your apartment because it was such a good investment because you identify it as one of the most desirable rental properties, let's just say in the West Village. Sure. And there's 15 people lining up the door to view it. Wouldn't you hire a broker to vet all of them to make sure that they can pay the rent they make sure that they have great credit, make sure they're not going to be a risk. And also, the demand is so high on that apartment, the tenants are willing to pay the fee. Of course. As an owner, wouldn't you want to limit your operating expenses on an expensive purchase that you just recently made? That's also not my main source of income or my main, um, it's, it's not my vocation, it's not what I do. So I'm going to hire someone to do it, just like you hire people to do all kinds of things. Now I get the other side of it, that housing is a right and housing is kind of carved out. It's a little bit different than other things, like you can cut your grass or you can hire someone to cut your grass. So yes, so that's how the city views it and it's a very gray area because yes, housing is a right, but most of the apartments that we're talking about that are charging these fees that are several thousand dollars are not your entry-level apartments. They're, well, some of them are entry-level apartments, but there are many, many, many other apartments that don't carry fees that consumers have to choose from. So I don't think that you're really solving any problem here. You're just kind of muddying the waters. For brokers, I don't really think it matters. I think, like, I'll get the owners to pay our fees. It doesn't really matter to us. Um, eventually, maybe it does make things a little bit more crystal clear for renters, and we'll see. Maybe in the long term, it will... Uh, it, it will it will shake out and make things simpler, but I don't think it's saving anyone any, any money. Right. Okay. Cool. Well, Justin, thank you so much for your input, your time, your uh, thoughts on this matter as well. I really appreciate it. And uh, again, time will tell what will happen in the future. All right. All right. Thanks for coming on. Good to see you. I used to look into my father's eyes.